11 o'clock on your reaction Monday. Wes, you can I, I got a reaction. Ahead of me. I got a reaction. You ready to react? I want to react to that music. <laughs> okay. What's your reaction? Uh, let's start over. Let's <laughs> turn, let's, let's pull the plug on the PlayStation. <laughs> and we just went down 14 to nothing. We fumbled the opening kickoff. <laughs> Not a Led Zeppelin guy. It's just slow to start. Big, big Zeppelin guys, well, but at, let's at, pick a different. At, as you guys know, when it comes to some of the stuff, I, with I programming, know you. I know I don't you don't pick it. I know it. that's what you tell us, <laughs> Tyler. I know that's what you, you are say. the producer. I feel like you have more say. I just, uh, I'm, I'm following in Chris's. I don't have as much as you think. I'm following in Chris's footsteps. I felt his head hit the mat over here when he fell asleep. Well, when he heard that, you know who, you know who wasn't asleep? The Gamecocks on Saturday, winning by 41 points against Vanderbilt. Most dominant win of the year, very much needed. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Where where do we start? I mean, and actually, we talked about this a good bit on probably Friday. Which, by the way, welcome to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse <laughs> Subs. Yes. Now we can go. Yeah, let's go. Firehouse Subs, Firehouse Subs, Firehouse Subs. All right, we're ready. So, guys, Vandy has – Vandy's not a good football team, right? Like, get that part out of the way, but – They've actually hung around in most of their games. So it, I think it is easy for people to be like, oh, you beat Vandy. Well, like we talked about, Vandy, most of their games this year were kind of right in that two-touchdown to three-touchdown deficit by the end. Sometimes, yeah, they were getting late touchdowns. Sometimes they weren't. But this is a team that had lost a bunch of games that really had not been completely dismantled and blown out. And... Dominant overall performance for South Carolina. And I really thought, in some ways, could could have been worse. Now, Vandy did have a couple of opportunities there to, to make it much more interesting than it was. And the difference for South Carolina this week is that their defense was making plays for them. Their defense was getting off the field. Their defense uh, got a couple of fourth down stops. And, and really... The offense played okay in the first half, but was sloppy, and it was the defense that kept it a two-score game, you know, right off the bat, which then put them in a position to be able to kind of blow Vandy out as opposed to being in that situation where they were just pulling away in the second half. Yeah, they they did a much better job of finishing in this game. Remember, we talked about, you know, Clayton White had talked about it, players, Shane Beamer, we talked about it going in to where the most frustrating thing probably this season in watching the defense, yeah, it's frustrating to see, you know, big big gaps in the run game, right? When you when you misfit a run and there's a gap and a running back squirts through there and it's almost an auto first down and sometimes an explosive run. Yeah, it's very frustrating to see balls thrown over your head, right? But what's the most frustrating thing? It's when you're in position to make a play and then you don't make the play. That That's the most frustrating thing. You can think about the Florida 4th and 11, right? There are a whole bunch of plays like that. Well, in this game, when they had opportunities, they finished them. Now, was part of that the fact that Vanderbilt's, you know, skill guys and their offensive line and their quarterback play is not up to par? Sure. But we've seen this team, no matter the competition this year, there's been varying levels of it, they have not finished – plays at as high of a clip as you wanted this time they did it and it started with I think the pressure up front but you look at here's here's one stat that'll illustrate my point missed tackles in this game four that's it four missed tackles defensively and on those missed tackles talking about finishing there was one play that 
definitively stuck out to me. It was in the third quarter where Vandy went for it on, I think it was fourth and three, fourth and four in South Carolina territory. Uh, receiver catches the ball about a yard or two short of the first down. DQ Smith immediately on him. And how many times this season have we seen a guy break a tackle, squirt for a first down, maybe not necessarily on fourth down. DQ Smith wraps him up, immediately has the Calvary, Stoneblatt, and other guys coming in there to help finish the tackle, and they end up holding them to a turnover on downs. Where again, several times this year, we've seen that guy end up going for a couple yards and getting the first down instead. Again, that's just one play, but to me kind of stood out as how the defense played it as a whole on Saturday. You mentioned the Calvary. I, I think that was the key to that play is you had guys rallying to the football. And it's, you know, I, I think missed tackles are much more apparent and much more costly when you have a situation where the guy gets the first down there because there's nobody else around to, to help you clean up the play. Missed tackles can kind of be erased when you're getting multiple people to the football. And that, that was the, by the end of that play – like over half of the defense had rallied to the football. And so I, I sort of like to rewatch the game and, and take notes, some of it. Um, I can't even read myself, but then at the end, I like to sort of try to get some big-picture thoughts. And I, I thought pressure by the defense was key, obviously. That's been an issue for Vandy all year long. I thought energy from the defense was a key. Like they, they brought the energy right off the bat. Clayton White. I thought was very energized um, on the sideline as well. Um, they kept South Carolina in a position to be able to blow Vandy out in the second half. Offensively, I wrote down Spencer plus X plus Simon plus Mario minus drops was the story on offense. So I, I thought those were the key guys from a, a positive standpoint. I thought the drops kept South Carolina from really being able to just take off in the first half. And offensive line, very good in pass pro. No sacks. Still would have liked to have seen a little bit more room to run. You you had a couple of chunk runs, but I, I would have liked to see a little bit more consistency in the running game if we're going to get really nitpicky about it. But that was kind of my, my big picture take on the offense. Those guys kind of – those guys I just mentioned – Spencer, Leggett, Josh Simon, who's really come on the last two weeks as he's gotten more playing time. And then, of course, Super Mario. Those guys were the story on uh, on offense. Maybe an assist. I, I probably should have written down a Marion Brown as well. Uh, I thought mm-hmm. I, I thought he showed you what he can do. He had he had the drop on third down, but otherwise had, had a big day. That was a seed from Spencer <laughs> on that drop. Holy cow. Do we know if that uh, one defender's ankles have been repaired after A.B. broke him on Saturday? Unclear. Poor guy just put his head down and was like, oof. Yeah, he 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 knew what happened. Film, film review not going to be fun there. But they, they did a fantastic job. Speaking of A.B. and Josh Simon, they used motion mm-hmm. very effectively to get the football to those guys. So you're throwing a, a quick short pass, but you're doing it deliberately it's not just um run a regular old vanilla wide receiver (laughs) or tight end screen there's some like there's some specifics to it that I I think were um very well designed and well called by Dow Loggins and this offense and a couple of times there were some little just intricacies to the motion the touchdown to AB being one of those um there was another where I think it might have actually been to to get uh, it was like a little RPO tag. It was like a flat route, but it was designed a little bit differently, and Omega Blake was actually kind of close to offensive pass interference. Uh, but 
it was very very well designed. I don't know if y'all remember the exact play I'm talking about, but there there was some good there was some good stuff offensively as far as the underneath routes. I thought. Well, another good example of that motion uh, that we saw all game was uh, you know DJ Braswell's reception, very nearly scored on, and they brought you mentioned AB. They brought AB across the formation. Braswell kind of feigned like he was going to pass protect, and then he leaked out. They caught Vandy, you know, got their eyes in the wrong place. Everybody else was kind of flooding towards the middle of the field, and they were able to get him there. So, yeah, good good usage, I thought, of A.B. Uh, in the game. And and Josh Simon obviously was outstanding. I, I wasn't sure, so I went back and looked. PFF, their stats weren't perfect for this game because they only had, for example, they had South Carolina at two drops. They had more. They had yeah, more than that. X they, only had one of them. They had they had X at one and Nick Carbert one. They they missed the AB one <laughs> that was you know you know right there. Just a great throw, like you said, West by Spencer. Um, and, and there are obviously other ones, but they did have Josh Simon at six forced missed tackles, which was over half of the Good offense's grief. missed tackles. So he's got violence on his mind oh, when yeah, he's got the, the ball in his the, hands. He he likes that downhill running. Yes. He likes to. Take guys on head on. Uh, real quick, you mentioned DJ Braswell there. Wes, what was your reaction when he nearly scored on Saturday? <laughs> I can't say it on the air. <laughs> no, I, I was I was happy for the guy. Obviously happy for uh, y'all. Know I've been I've been wanting to see the the DJ Braswell show all year long, and um, I hate it that it's because of injuries that we're mm. seeing it. You know, I hate it for those guys for Juju and to carry on. But yeah, I I think you saw the burst, right? Oh yeah, absolutely, and. You know he uh, he's very nearly he's got he's got to got to show a little bit more strength and balance down there at the goal line and, and get in. But um, you could uh, Mario Anderson very very excited for his his underclass teammate there. And um, hey, they're going to need Braswell these next couple of weeks. So time time to grow up. I, I think it was a situation there where you know maybe he wasn't quite ready, but. It has become time now that uh, that he's going to be in there and, and going to be in the rotation. You really have to have two in today's college football. Yeah, of course, the story coming away from Saturday, Juju McDowell breaks his collarbone. That happened on that first drive because he, uh, he ran the ball, and then he had the catch on the next play, and then he went out. Um, so I'm assuming that's the play that it obviously happened on. But, yeah, he's going to be out for the rest of the season. I saw DK was in a boot on one of the knee scooters on Saturday, so that looks like it could be a little bit longer. Um, so, yeah, now you're down to Mario Anderson and DJ Braswell as your only two scholarship running backs for the foreseeable future right now yeah i mean next in line might be bradley dunn former walk-on from hammond and um, interestingly enough the the staff actually really liked the offseason he had from what i'd heard and uh, also want to give a shout out i actually before he ended up getting in the game i ended up bumping into bradley dunn's dad um prior to the game he said he's a big fan of the show so shout out to him there you go um but uh, you know, local guy who who works his tail off and and also has dealt with some injuries and makes an impact on special teams too. But yeah, Bra- Braswell is going to have to play, I think, moving forward. And you know, I I thought for for him, you know, getting in there, getting some some reps will will be good for him to sort of get ready these next two weeks because he's going to be needed. And um, hate it for Juju, man, because I feel like I would say Florida game and forward. They've done a really good job of finding ways to use him a little bit more deliberately in terms of, uh, you know, specific plays for him. Even got my wheels turning. I, 
I kind of like Juju in that slot position. Like, I, I kind of wonder with no, with no Marion Brown next year, not to start to get way too far ahead of ourselves, but I, I think there are some things you can look at with Juju in the offseason where you get him more involved. That that early catch, I mean, they had all kinds of funky stuff going on. It was a, it was a short yardage situation. They had Leggett lined up in the backfield at running back, which we've seen them do that a little bit this year, not a ton. They had Leggett in the backfield at running back. Then they had Juju in the slot, and um, he was running basically a shallow cross, and they got him in space and was a big gain, and then you saw him come off kind of with his shoulder hanging. But I really like how they've used McDowell down the stretch this year. All these uh, shout-outs, and y'all have left out the best offensive performance of the day. I was actually, sa- I was actually the saving day. that, but okay. go ahead. What? No, let's save it. Okay. We'll tease it. Yeah. People I, might does, be wondering who it is, does, what it is. Okay, I'm not going to say it. Well, I've got sound for everything, so. Okay. Everything? Yeah, everything. Is this a local guy? I'm not saying. Okay. We'll reveal it coming up as the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs rolls on here on the game. And at fullback, they fake to him, now throw, back in the end zone, caught. Are you kidding me? That's Boogie Huntley. Touchdown, Carolina. Touchdown, Boogie Huntley. All we do in the last two weeks is get defenders in and give them touchdowns. It was Tonka a week ago, and now Boogie in the tight end spot from one yard out. The extra point will make it 7-0 Carolina. Welcome back in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Here on the Reaction Monday on the game, Tyler West and Chris, along with you, that was voice Todd Ellis on the call on Saturday for that opening touchdown. It was a Boogie Huntley pulling it down, adding another big man touchdown to the list after Tonka Hemingway's one last weekend. And um, Boogie Huntley had himself quite a day on Saturday with that touchdown. Had a couple tackles, uh, did not, yeah, got one tackle for loss, didn't get a sack but also recovered a fumble as well. So a great day overall, especially offensively for Boogie Huntley. Especially offensively. And, and he came into the game, we, we were told this after the game, he didn't even know if he was going to play. You know, he got he got injured during the week. I think practice. he said he was on a scooter on like yeah, Thursday on too. Yeah. I actually got a text on Thursday or Friday. And it was like, and you know we don't always really report yeah. injuries and stuff um, unless we're really sure. It's kind of a slippery slope there, but I got a text basically that was, hey, <laughs> Boogie's not playing, just FYI. And then my man gets a what will obviously be a moment he will never forget. His uh, his PFF right now says one snap on offense, <laughs> 86.5 grade by far. Not by far, but definitely the highest grade of the Saturday for South what, Carolina. Now what could he have done better? I say, what's the 14% knock there? <laughs> well, you can't. You can't just – it doesn't start at 100. It starts at to, – to get that much off of one play is actually yeah. insane, by the way, PFF grades. Okay. You start with a 60. That's baseline. Ah, uh, I see. Okay, that makes sense. So, as a matter of fact, I didn't even know it was possible to have that high of a grade off of one play. You Usually – so you start at a 60, and it kind of stacks from uh, there. If you're doing well, you're adding to that 60. If you're doing not well, you're subtracting to it. So if a guy ever has a 60, that means he just had like an average, like day. a neutral day. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. What would, no, we know what Tonka's was last week. I can tell you in a, about 10 seconds. Tonka. See, he had two plays mm. out there. So it, 
it averaged out a little bit for him. He had, he was sixty six point four, but to actually to get it, six points, yeah, in two plays hey, is that's effective. That's bragging rights for Boogie. That's right. His one play was much more efficient. No, but I mean he he played his role on special teams. You know, he's a guy that on the punt punt team that makes a lot of the calls, gets gets people in the right place, and obviously with the conditions on Saturday, uh, even more important job we saw. Um, you know, how it affected really everyone on Saturday. We saw South Carolina. Nick G was just in here, Nick Gargiulo for the Garnet Trust Hour. He was talking about it a little bit, and once the forecast solidified, he did confirm, Wes, that they were dipping balls in water on Thursday and uh, and trying to snap them. Um, so we saw in the second quarter they had they had an issue with a bad snap. We saw it against Vandy. We saw Vandy roll a snap back there, you know, and the Gamecocks finally – Broke through with a block punt with Keenan Nelson Jr., who was honored as a player of the week. Somebody won the lower release special teams touchdown contest. They did. Quickly, yeah. the reaction that we had in the press box on that alone was hilarious. We had people coming up to us, other media people, like, oh, it finally happened. There you go. How much did they win? Oh, it's been like 10 weeks, right? Like, yeah. How much did they win? $1,000. Yeah, shout out. I mean, yeah, like, that- this, this became a thing, yeah. which is great. That's a hey. So whoever wants to, you know, if Laurie Lisa wants to do it again next year, oh, uh, there, it, there's uh, another pot this weekend, hundred bucks uh, for Kentucky. I was gonna say, apparently this was very effective because as soon as they scored on that, that was the first thing that popped in my mind as well. So I just thought that was because I worked here and have been no. th- hearing about it for <laughs> ten weeks. Everybody's talking about it. That is awesome. Hey, how about a guy blocking the punt and getting mm-hmm. the recovery, and not just the recovery where you're just jumping on it, yeah, block. Like- Recovery touchdown, all in like one motion. That was that was pretty good. I think that's a microcosm for South Carolina's day as a whole. Sometimes the ball literally just bounces your way, and that's exactly what it did for Keenan Nelson on that play. Well, did they not build up enough <laughs> karma of it bouncing the wrong way this year? I feel like that yes. it was like it evened out for him. You had some tipped <laughs> passes that go straight to Leggett's hands. Um, so Ter- Terry and I were talking about this earlier, and this would obviously be a better question for Pete Limbo, but we've seen them come so close on blocked punts this year, even earlier on in the game mm-hmm. against Vandy. It's like, man, just a fingertip away, and you keep wondering like, why they aren't maybe laying out for it as much. Like, Is there too much of a reservedness for not wanting to run to the kicker, or maybe you're telling guys stay on your feet and just try and get it with your hands as opposed to and lay out for it every single time, and if you get the penalty, you get the penalty. Because, of course, if you hit them in the process of blocking it, it's not a penalty. Yeah, well, and there there's a very specific technique they teach on that, and it, it's act, it's not to dive. You're, you're actually kind of supposed to take the football off of their foot, basically, and you're supposed to go in at an angle to where even if you miss, you're not going to wipe out the punter. And so, you know, I, I think when you dive, you kind of uh, you introduce the possibility of, of you missing and then that happening. So that, But that... It obviously that one was helped a little bit by the bad snap, but that that was textbook. Like he he didn't just get a finger on that thing; like he blocked the heck out of it, which is exactly. Uh, I imagine that's kind of a teach tape block there from from what I could see, and then because he blocked it so, um, like forcefully, forcefully, yes. That I think that's why it bounced right yeah. up to him because he. I mean, he was like, "This ball is not getting punted." Yeah, it was a great play. I mean, and y'all are right. I mean, the, the it was about time that South Carolina had some things go their way. They they ran the the Florida offense tip tip ball drill that went mm. you know right right to Leggett. 
that play. But that that's a play you create, right? I mean, it, to some degree, there's luck in football at times, but a lot of times you're creating your own luck. I mean, uh, the ball there's no chance for the ball to bounce to you on a block punt that you can then return for a score if you don't block it. Or, you know, that could have just been a play where the ball bounces, the punter picks it up, and he and he gets it off. But he didn't. You know, South Carolina made the play, and they've been they've been so close all year. It was good to see it happen. That being said, it was still kind of a rough day all around for special teams. You had the bad snap on the first PAT, missed another one later in the game, and yes, it is raining. That certainly contributes to it. But he also had one of the kicks go out of bounds, one of the kickoffs. Like it's been far from a perfect season, but at least they finally broke through and got uh, the big special teams play that we've been waiting on. Yeah, they did that. That sort of double thud sound that you get on a block punt, <laughs> man. Like, I, I get excited when I hear that sound. I know that special teams guys and Pete Limbo is probably the, the best thing they heard all week, I think. But, yeah, that, that was great. It, it is – I do think they've built up the standard for special teams so high that people are maybe a little too hard on special teams this year. I know it hasn't been quite up to Limbo's standard, I'm sure. But um, I, I would love to know where they compare – to the rest of the SEC and, and all these things. But still, I would say that if you the negative of this game, if you were to point one out, it would be uh, across the board. There were still these little things that you're hoping you can clean up during these final two games. And not just special teams, you know, uh, jumping off sides on defense and, um, you know, a couple little procedural things. It was kind of sloppy early on, which is what kept South Carolina from being able to pull away earlier than they did right and so you know the drops like we talked about there's some execution there things there I mean I think I think there was like five drops in the first half so I don't really know how PFF has it at two two and then you know you ha- you had one that would not have gone down as a drop but there was one where uh Leggett bobbled it yep on a third down if he catches it clean he probably yeah gets the first down on it. So that, that that's kind of one of those things, again, where you talk about inches and kind of a, a game coming down to the little things. It obviously didn't matter on Saturday, but it could because I, I think I think we're in for a battle on Saturday, boys. Like I think we're going to see a good, tight football game this week. Absolutely. We'll continue to react to what happened this past Saturday against Vanderbilt, but real quick, men's basketball team back in action tonight taking on VMI at 7 o'clock out at Colonial Life Arena. I have a pair of tickets for caller number. Throw out a number, Chris. Eight. Caller number eight right now, 803-404-6100. Winning a pair of tickets to see the 2-0 men's basketball team take on VMI coming up tonight at 7 o'clock out at Colonial Life Arena. We'll have more reaction from Vanderbilt coming up as the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs rolls on. here. On the- Appreciate it, man. Oh, man, it feel good, man. Oh. Uh- I've been wanting to do that since I got to step foot on, on campus, man, and I feel good. Welcome back in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler West and Chris continuing to react to the Gamecocks' 47-6 win over Vanderbilt on Saturday. And in that win, Xavier Leggett did indeed go over the 1,000-yard mark early on in that game, ending the game with nine receptions and 120 yards. And the clip you heard from him there, a, a man of few words, but – a uh, great athlete on the football field. We saw that on display, minus the drops, once again on Saturday. Yeah, he was outstanding again. Did we get – all right, help me out, guys. I'm unprepared. So you remember our buy or sell? Yes. Last week. What What is the verdict on that? Because I'm trying to remember. I think I ended up – Wes, you really put me on the spot. He needed, what, 27 yards 
He he got it on his second catch of the day. Second mm. catch. I said first. I thought we were going to hit him for a bomb straight away. And that was on not on the first drive, though. Correct. He did not but get two first catches quarter. on the first drive, first but it quarter. was first quarter. Okay, so narrow miss. Yeah. But no, the original the original buy or the sell original one was, was first quarter. First quarter. But then I put yeah. you on the spot because you said buy too quickly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, hey, given how quickly he still did it, I think it was fair. Got it in his second on his second catch. He he was he was outstanding again. Just again, I, I feel like we're saying it every week, but just his his rise has been awesome to watch. Big time performance by him. And, you know, some some good moments by some of the other players. I thought Nick Carber rebounded during the game. Early on, you know, he had a drop. Um, again, bad conditions, but he had a drop. I thought uh, early in the game, he probably left some blocks on the table, on the perimeter. That was kind of during that sloppy period. Everybody offensively in the second half, to your point from earlier, Wes, just played a cleaner football game. It just looked like a more smooth, efficient operation. And uh, I, I thought he rebounded and played a lot better. Good to see A.B. again going back to his touchdown. Um, Luke Doty had a nice catch in there. Omega Blake got a touchdown catch on a great ball from Spencer Rattler. So Josh Simon, you know, as a pass-catching tight end, th- there was a lot of good to go around, I thought, in the receiving core as well. And uh, with X's 120 yards on the game, he moves into sole possession of Fifth place for a single season for South Carolina receiver, passing one of Sidney Rice's <laughs> seasons. Sidney Rice still sitting at number two at 1,143, which is a very obtainable goal um, for uh, Leggett to catch. Obviously, Alshon sitting at 1,517 yards. That's a little bit more lofty, Jeez. but very realistic that Xavier Leggett could at least get to number two on that list. Yeah, so Leggett chasing some historic numbers here. Rattler chasing some historic numbers as far as in South Carolina history. Those are some things for them to play for these final two games. And, hey, let's not forget, Marion Brown, first touchdown reception in a South Carolina uniform, believe it or not. Very hard to believe. Uh, They spread the ball around a lot. Add in the Boogie Huntley touchdown (laughs) pass here. And, I mean, you got, like, guys across the board catching passes. I thought... A late touchdown grab by Omega Blake. You wonder if maybe that can be something to to kind of continue to push his confidence level a little bit, maybe give him a boost going into the final two games. And we mentioned A.B., we mentioned Josh Simon already, but let's go back to to X. Like, what a phenomenal, just consistent season. And he's not 100%. Like, you can tell he is, like, willing his way. He was – um. After I think it was after the catch that put him over a thousand yards. He got up, hobbled a little bit, had a little bit of a, a, a limp to him um, for the rest of the game. But again, still goes out there, pulls down 120 yards and nine receptions. Like he, he's a freak. He's one of these guys who can limp on and off the field, but then once the ball is snapped, I'm just put I'm putting that out of my mind. And that that is a that is a skill as well. The the mental toughness, the determination, the physical toughness. All those things. I mean, he, he's hobbling around out there. He still goes nine for 120. I mean, <laughs> crazy, insane. And he, he almost hauled in that other ball that when I saw it live in the stadium, I thought there was no way on this earth that he was going to get to it. Deep ball in the second half. And he somehow ran under it. And it was, it was almost like he used up so much energy <laughs> to get to that ball that he couldn't quite complete the catch. So... Uh, but somehow got to it and got his hands on it. And um, I, I do wonder, 
I mean, this would be something to be fairly easy to go back and, and track. But Rattler, 28 of 36 for 351 yards. I don't know where you draw the line as far as drops and, and stuff like that, Chris, but I, how, how many of the eight misses touched a receiver's hands? You know, like if you go back, like I, I can remember, I remember two missed throws off the top of my head by Rattler. One, he short-armed it and threw it just a little bit short yep. to Leggett, and Leggett probably could have got to the ball, but I think he was just expecting it to probably be more accurate because it always is, <laughs> and he faded away a little bit instead of coming to the football. And then, of course, the interception where I think he had somebody in his face sort of as as he was releasing the football. But So that's two. The, the other... I dare say the other six hit guys in the hands. I think they had to. I mean, th- there's the two drops that PFF had, um, the ball that went off Doty's hands that Xavier Leggett caught. Well, that was that a would, catch. That would have been so a that catch. that wouldn't have been part so of that, the eight. Yeah, that wasn't even part of it. Um, that wouldn't have been in a drop. Um, the AB one, you know, that would, that would hit him right in his hand. That was such a good play that nobody will remember by Spencer. He, Seed. He, he, came, he came off of it, you know, Saw it, went through his progressions, moved slightly to his left, just delivered it perfectly. Yeah, I mean, he was he was extremely accurate. And, I mean, look, yeah, it was Vandy, right? But credit the offensive line, the tight ends, the backs. I thought they had a good game plan. Dowell Loggins did. And they did a much better job protecting than we've seen really against any opponent all year. There was one play I was talking to Nick Gargiulo about where Vandy brought, I think, a corner blitz, a cap pressure, and – when it was unfolding, I was going, Spencer is about to get rocked because that he was coming completely free, and Mario Anderson came over, saw it late, took the guy out, great block, and gave Spencer enough time, and I think it was a positive play for the Gamecocks. So just, yeah, a little a little ugly at the beginning in, in the first quarter, in the first half, but overall very efficient performance. And, guys, the point total, I mean, the 41-point um, 41 deficit that Vandy had, I think that was the second-highest a margin of victory in the Shane Beamer era. The the only other higher one was, I think, against um, the very first game, Eastern Illinois. So, pretty good day at the office. Tyler, you might have... I should probably t- turn my microphone on. Well, I thought um, t- you had a look like you were about to yeah. do- start double-checking me, and you no, can, no, please no, do. No, and the uh, this is actually the first time they'd held a conference opponent to single digits since Vandy back in 21, I believe, which was, of course, Beamer's first yeah. year. Um, so impressive performance there. While we're talking about receivers, just had a call from Ralph that wanted to pose a question really quick. Uh, good, you got to go pretty deep into your depth chart on Saturday. Did not see Eddie Lewis. Uh, have not seen him since the Missouri game. Uh, any anything we know about him? You would have fact, figured he maybe would have at least seen the field on Saturday. No, no specifics. Um, I mean, whenever so whenever that happens, either a guy's banged up, which he hasn't been on the injury list, or there's. There, there's a reason, you know, and, and obviously the guy can play. Sure. So um, I'm not going to speculate on what that reason is, but I, I think you would put this under the coach's decision <laughs> category. Um, you know, I don't know. Not going to speculate, but obviously they had they had opportunities to get guys in sure. late in the game, to rotate guys in during the game. Chose not to. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we'll see. B- by the way, um, my buddy Beckham just texted me as well. The post-will combination where they hit Leggett down the sideline, and uh, 
I think Rattler dropped that ball in there too. Probably mm-hmm. not a quote-unquote drop, but another one that falls in the category of hitting a guy in the hands. There's one more. There's another thing, not one more. There, there's a lot to dive into, obviously, on a, on a reaction Monday. But one thing that we have not really gotten deep into that we got to got to do before the show. Let me see if I can guess what you're about to say. Please do. I know. I, we're on the same page. I can feel it. Go does ahead. It, does it involve the defense? It does. The three three five. It does. The th- the three man fronts. The ba- specifically Wes, Bam Martin Scott, Jaron Willis, Bam Martin Scott. A heck of a game. Leading tackler. Thirteen. That sounds tackles. like something to talk about on the a other sack. side. I feel. Let's like. talk that about does. it. On the that's, other that's side. what we call a tease, Chris. Yes. We'll talk about that coming up. You're listening to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs. Reaction Monday rolls along. You're on the game. Uh well yeah I prepare every week you know so when the moment came and my name was called I just took advantage of the opportunity. Welcome back in Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs Tyler West and Chris Long with you a few more minutes on this Reaction Monday that was the voice of Bam and Scott after the game on Saturday as he put in a pretty solid performance uh, his most snaps of the season at 43 did register that sack this team as a whole brought so much pressure made Ken Seals uncomfortable the entire game and uh, we saw a lot more of that 3-3-5 as you guys mentioned that they've been testing out um you know these past uh, couple weeks and uh, worked worked the most effective that we've seen it so far on Saturday yeah I kind of feel like Vandy was maybe not quite ready to see that as much as they did now they've struggled up front for for much of the year that was kind of the mo on Vanderbilt was that their o-line has had lots of trouble lots of trouble protecting the passer and South Carolina really went to that 3-3-5 as their base defense this week, which is not something we've seen at all. We've seen it as a a third down package. You know, South Carolina has even said in they've gone to the length in press conferences of saying, "Hey, that's just a package." And then they busted it out really as their base defense this past week, which I thought was very very interesting. And for one it allowed them to get a couple of their best pass rushers on the field a, a little bit more often, whether that's Bam Martin-Scott or Jaron Willis. And two, they kind of, you know, I know Beamer said they, they played a lot of man coverage, as they always do. I felt like early on I was seeing a little bit, I don't know what the splits were, but early on I felt like I was seeing a little bit more zone than we're used to seeing because they were running three across with the safeties and as opposed to Kilgore kind of playing nickelback, there there wasn't like a nickelback. It was more three safeties across, DQ Smith, Nicky, Jalen Kilgore, and then you sort rather than just cover that slack guy in man coverage, you can drop your guys back into a zone. And, you know, just because you're running three three five doesn't mean you're just rushing three every time. The defense or the offense kind of has to guess where that fourth guy is coming from or where the fourth and fifth guy are coming from. So that package was really good for them without two true just SEC edge, pin your ears back, go get the quarterback defensive ends on this team. This may actually, with Bam Martin Scott coming on and Jaron Willis coming on, this may actually be their best personnel package for this defense based on the skill set of their front group, I feel like. From from a pass rush standpoint, you know, we don't have a ton of data, but it certainly seems effective. We, you know, saw a little bit of this against even at Texas A and M, we saw this, you know, cause some issues there. South Carolina actually rushed the passer early with four in that game pretty well. Now it's against an A and M front that's 
you know, they have not been very good. Vanderbilt, obviously, like Wes said, has had issues. But when when you what stands out to me is when you watch Bam Martin Scott and Jaron Willis run, they just look different. You know, I mean, Bam's a a long, rangy guy who can who can really run, who can bend around the edge. And then Jaron Willis, you know, as the story has gone, he just started flashing on scout team. And then staff go, man, you know, this, this guy's got some juice to him. Again, high school, um, he did a lot of pass rushing back in high school. They would line him up on edge and, hey, go get him. And uh, he, we just knew that he would need some development. And so he's continued to progress and come along. Same thing with Bam, who has some experience playing, but is continuing to gain more. So he's really come on. And it's been an interesting package when you look at how they administer it, and I think we're going to, you know, continue to see more and more of it. Is this the base D now? You know, the, against Kentucky, do you see them lining up in this? I, I think I think it depends on what personnel we're seeing from Kentucky as That's well. Right. I, I've not really had a chance to dive into Kentucky yet. We know, obviously, Ray Davis, and we know that's, um, you know, what they're going to do is try to just run him, run him, run him. Uh, I don't know if they're like a big two tight end team. If they're a big two tight end team, then w- what we're probably going to see is more Bam Martin Scott again, but some actual true four three. That's something we don't see a ton mm-hmm. of from South Carolina. But with twenty two Bam coming along, I think you feel a little bit more comfortable doing some of that stuff, and you're going to try to match their personnel. We're getting too far ahead of ourselves here, but that three three five, Chris. It felt to me now Vandy is more, you know. They're, they're a spread offense. They they get into three receivers, one tight end, like pretty much everybody does these days. It just felt like this 3-3-5 went from being a third down pass rush package to being something that they feel like they can sit in on first downs as well. And so I, I think not necessarily you're going to see that every single first and second down. And we, we didn't see it every single first and second down Saturday either, but it, it just feels like it's continuing to become more and more a part of what they do. And I think Bam Martin Scott's emergence from being just a situational third down guy to being a, a true like every down linebacker has been a big part of that. And then Jaron Willis's uh, sort of progress evolution from being a scout team guy to being kind of a, a pass rush third down guy um, has allowed them to do that. As you mentioned, this is the most that we've seen the three three five again. It was the, pretty much the base defense on Saturday. Do you think that kind of stems from? Obviously, the season's not what you wanted it to be. You've been pretty rough defensively in just about every single category, really not having anything to lose by changing it up these last couple games. I Well, I, I think um, that just may be their best look against certain teams, honestly. And, you know, people are going to say, well, why didn't you do that earlier? Um, I, I don't know if Bam Martin-Scott, and I know Jaron Willis was not the player earlier in the year that, that both those guys are now. And so I think um, – you know, I always pay attention to what the the announcers say when they are quoting what coaches have said because generally coaches give those guys a little bit more. And it caught my attention when, uh, I guess it was uh, Stitchcomb said that Clayton White had mentioned, hey, two of our best pass rushers are linebacker types. And, and that kind of caught my, my attention. He's talking about Bam Martin Scott and Jaron Willis when he says that. Get those guys on the field at this point, and uh, and kind of you can always go back to your four two five in certain situations. That's locked into these guys' brains. It's not going to be a problem at all if the three three five is not working to mix back into the four two five. But I think this just gives teams a little bit different look to prepare for, and that's what you want. 
We'll have plenty more reaction to this as the week rolls along. And, of course, towards the end of the week, we'll get you set for the Gamecocks and the Wildcats coming up Saturday night, 7.30 kick. DeRude's going to be there. going to be a fun time at Williams-Price Stadium. That'll do it for today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Halftime show with myself and Terry Ford up next here on The Game.